Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Real Investing Show. My name is Stephen Earp, and I am here with my co-host, the great Taylor Davis. And Cheers. Good morning. Yeah, we, we, good morning. And I'm still drinking my coffee. And we have a great guest today uh, named Tony Meek. We hope to hear a lot about uh, real estate investing from his perspective and his background and uh, investor and businessman here in the Oklahoma City area. And so, um, so super great to have you, Tony. Thanks for joining us. Thank man. you. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, Taylor, here. maybe you could tell us a little more about Tony. Yeah, so Tony and I have together. had a relationship for a couple of years now. Um, it actually started off with uh, me as a realtor and wow. him as a title company owner. Uh, and so then we we got to meet each other as we were working as as our team started working with his company uh, and got to know him pretty well and uh, find this guy fascinating. He's 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 a lot further down the track, down the track that I love to go down uh, and I've picked his brain and he's been a resource for me. I don't know how many times uh, because he does real estate developing uh, as well as investing in, in senior centers and started off as a humble builder. Right, Tony? That's right. My uh, and you know my secret is I drink hot chocolate. Yeah, he doesn't drink coffee, so we go on these coffee oh. dates, and he goes he goes and gets a hot cocoa. Wow, I can't I I can't do it. I love the smell, just not the taste. Yeah, well, I if we had known if we knew each other longer, Tony, I would probably make some snarky comment about maturity or spiritual maturity or something related to coffee. But since we just met, I will not do that. I I get it. I I get enough flack when I have to go up to the counter when they call my name and get my hot chocolate with yeah I just grab it and I look I look around like where's my son where did he go and right right <laughs> now you also don't like tea correct I do not like tea and I own HTO and you own a tea so. company <laughs> yes 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 I, uh, I I have a partner in it as well, and uh, he and I both do not like tea. It is dirty That's water so to us, and so we wow. we have all those flavors, and we get lemonade when we walk in. So, oh wow! Uh, wow. I love the happy hour. I swing through there on happy hour every now and then, and grab me uh, a nice little sweet tea. George Beach is not bad, and and we appreciate it. So, uh, <laughs> Tony, tell me a little bit about. Okay, you started building in Texas, correct? Yes, I started building um, my my degree is in religion, um, and then I, I moved to Dallas area to go to seminary, and uh, was going the route of marriage and family counseling, and got burned out um, really quick. Worked at some mental health agencies, uh, dealing with you know just anyways some some crazy cases, and it got me really quickly burned out, and realized it wasn't for me. And I grew up with uh, my dad had his own real estate. I say real estate, his own building company. Uh, they did uh, commercial manufacturing. They had a manufacturing company as well as a general contracting company. And so I grew up knowing construction. I mean, that's, that's you know, the summers and as a kid, I mean, that's where I worked and uh, was kind of the grunt. You know, I'd work in the, in the factory twisting cables for uh, commercial steel buildings and you name it. And so, um, which is, I, I say that to say, that's my work ethic. I've never not worked um, since 16 on. And so, um, but yeah, so I decided that uh, this is kind of mid twenties. I wanted to be a builder. I got burned out of, of the counseling and thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go and, and be a builder. And I remember calling my dad and saying, Hey, I'm going to, 
this is what I'm going to do. And I remember him saying, you know, I protected you from the sleepless, tearful nights of owning your own business, knowing you have families that depend on you and uh, you got to see the good stuff. And he said, so I'll, I'll tell you, there's not a day that goes by. I don't wish I worked for somebody. Mm. <clears throat> and I totally didn't hear anything he said. And I said, well, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to have nothing but good times. And yeah. so let's, let's do this. Um, so yeah, 20 something year old kid. I, uh, married, we didn't have kids at the time. And so had some, you know, luxuries of not having, you know, not great finances, but also didn't have a, you know, kids to depend on me and things. And so we were able to take some risks. And so I just went around trying to find banks. We were still in the Dallas area finding banks to give me money and I really didn't have a pot to pee in, so to speak. And so, um, it was tough. I, I just, I think I got rejected by 10 banks and I just mm. kept going and I'm a good salesman. And I was trying to sell myself on knowing what a house takes to build when I really did not commercial construction, metal buildings is totally different. And banks were seeing through that, even though I was trying. And, um, I had one banker that, that told me, um, Hey, there's a, there's a guy named Rob Whittle and, and I knew I saw signs to me. He was the richest guy in town. He's this big developer. And he goes, I want you to tell him I told you to call him. And, uh, I'm calling this guy again, 20 something years old, thinking he'll never call me back. He called me back. We went in and had a great meeting. Um, two hours later of his time, he ended up backing me financially. Um, we went to two of his banks and he said, you're going to buy lots in my neighborhood to start. And, and he very quickly, he goes, you know, nothing about building. And he said, I'm going to have you get with my brother who did all his vertical stuff. He was a land developer, but they did build some on their own. And he goes, you're going to learn how to build. And so for two months, because I just wanted it bad enough for two months, I followed his brother around, showed up every day at his doorstep. And I know there was days he wish I was not there. And it was me with a notepad and pen taking notes of how to build a house. Um, because I didn't, I didn't know. And I still have the notepad that I can look back and say, here's, you know, here's what I was able to do. Um, and at the end of that time, I, at my discretion, he said, call me when you think you're ready. And so two months later, I called him ready and he took me into two of his banks and he gave, uh, he gave them both $20,000 CDs. He never lost money on me, but he gave them $20,000 CDs to secure my position in the case that I couldn't pay my interest payments. Wow. And it took off from there and stayed there for about 10 years. And then we moved in 2012, um, to Oklahoma. My wife's from Shreveport. We met in college and, um, we looked at both areas of market and our kids were finally at the age where it was, it wasn't the most fun to be the only ones that didn't have grandparents at your kids sporting events or church, you know, performances or you name it. And, uh, so anyways, we, you know, long story short, we moved here in 2012 and um, I had gone through the 07, 08 crash as, as we all know how bad that was. And uh, I survived, never, we never had to file bankruptcy, but it was just those tearful nights my dad talked about, those were my times. And I knew when we decided to move in 2012, um, we were going to diversify as quickly as we can because at that point i'd just been a home builder that's all i did and uh so that was probably my motivation of saying i don't want to go through that again and just be held to one income stream and so um 
Yeah. So came in here building in 2012. So, um, and so you're in Dallas during the rise. Mm-hmm. You're doing like you're early on. Are you doing spec building at that point? I'm doing both. So my my focus when I came into the market, and this is one thing when I talk to builders or people that want to build, go after the customs. I okay. mean, they're especially in an economy. What we just came from with COVID up until a few months ago, it's a seller's market. I mean, you can do whatever you want. So you have builders, and it was the same way I entered in in uh, in texas when i started building it was a seller's market so i had builders going you know what customers are headaches i can build a spec home never have to touch a customer and it's sold within a day um that's a true statement they are headaches sometimes however a signed contract walking into a bank knowing it's secure by another buyer and then i the way my approach was, I would actually have the owner finance it themselves because it's their house, not mine. Why would I use my line of credit if I don't have to? Right. Um, part of that has to do with the volume, uh, or I'm sorry, the volume, the size and and price of the house in Texas. You're not building a, you're not building a spec on that's two hundred thousand dollars. Those are all public traded companies. You're building a half million dollar on up. I did spec homes that were a million too. I mean, that's it, it's a big difference from here to there. Um, <clears throat> so to that point, I'm not going to go and build a custom house for one person specified sure. for all their needs and them bell on it. They're right. going to, they're going to carry that finance. So, okay. um, so I focused on that. Okay. Hmm. So fast forward 2012, you, you decide to move, which I'm in and of itself as a business owner, that's a daunting task, right? It is drove back and forth. Well, in construction too, it's not like you just magically finish all your houses at once and oh, now it's time to leave. I drove back and forth. When we moved here, I was in Texas for six months, wrapping up construction projects, back and forth driving and had a superintendent there that was still working for me. So it was, yeah, it's, it's juggling a lot. And then you said, oh, sorry, go ahead, Stephen. I didn't quite catch what, what was the, the reason for moving here? We wanted to be by family. Yeah. Okay. Um, Just, we, you know, seminary took us there. Yeah. Um, obviously we developed a, you know, our, our family became our church. We're very active in what we do um, yeah. in our church life. And so it was always, that was the drive that kept us there so long. And yeah. then it really, as the kids were getting older, um, again, showing up to sporting events and you don't have any grandparents when you have access to them. And, and it was just one of those things we, spent a lot of time praying and going, you know, are we here for money or, I mean, what, what's the motivation? And so, um, yeah, it was, uh, we're both bullheaded. My, my wife and I, we obviously wanted to live by, by our family. And, um, we ended up, um, sorry, someone's opening the door. Anyways, we, uh, um, we both sat and prayed about where we're supposed to go. And she finally came in one afternoon into, I, I was, in our in our master bathroom and she came in in tears and said we're supposed to go to oklahoma and uh nothing that she wanted to do and i thought well i'm glad god's telling you something because i i my selfishness was already we're not yeah. even in shreveport um so yeah we just up and decided yeah. it was time so when you got here what was your first so you're driving back and forth but did you what were your first business moves when you got here I did a lot of visiting before because, of course, family's here. And so we took a lot of time. Anytime I came in uh, for months on end prior to moving, I was getting here on a Friday enough time to have meetings with certain developers, things like that. So I knew the route was 
get with developers that can get you in their neighborhoods to build. Um, and so a lot of it was that. And then, of course, I put it out there. I mean, I'm, I'm from Moore. I graduated there. And so just letting people know I was coming back, I ended up getting relationships where I was walking in with custom homes from day one. So yeah. you said you, you mentioned that you wanted to diversify, right? So this is in 2012. You move here. So you, you immediately go into what you know, what your background is. You've got a decade of experience at this point. You start building, you, you get some, you get in with a couple of developers where you're able to build. And that's always like, that's <clears throat> people don't realize what a barrier to entry that is. Uh, because yes. it, 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 I, the, I've jokingly, in, I've, I've had some people say that like uh, the goal, it's the golden rule. He with the gold makes the rules. Uh, yes. And it's kind of it's kind of like that with development that um, whoever owns those lots controls who builds in there and not everyone understands that. So so you were, you had some favor. You were able to walk in. You got you know, you were able to get into a neighborhood. What else were you doing to develop uh, your diversification? Um, after building, after we started building. Yeah, here, so you start building. Um, and, and so what was yeah. kind of the next thing for you then as you wanted to Real diversify? Estate real estate i you know as a developer we don't like i mean i say as a developer as a builder paying a real estate agent um you know to list your houses is you know i've spent a lot of money doing that and i thought well i'm gonna get my real estate license and i went and got my real estate license and and immediately went and got my um my broker's license because builders have a option of bypassing the two years being a real estate agent to get into their brokerage um, and so there's, there's a caveat that you can use. And so I had my, I went from having my real estate license to my broker's license within two months of each other and decided I'm going to start a real estate company. And that was, that was one avenue of, well, I can pay myself now instead of another agent. And then from there, it went into having a real estate company. And I had about 50 agents that worked for me, um, before I sold that company. And so that was probably my first non-builder um investment i did and then uh and sold it but in between selling that real estate company i had um i had a gentleman that was renting a space from me because we had our real estate company and i had my home building company and he was a mortgage company and i went and said hey i want to partner and and own part of this if i'm feeding it i want to be a part of it and so from there and, and that and that's what i spent a lot of time doing is just what little pieces can i get a hold of and then from that it was another title company approaching us to say, Hey, you have all these streams, you have real estate, you have your home building and you have your mortgage company. Why don't you have a title company? And, uh, so we learned the title business and started a title company. So, um, those were my very beginning ones. So that's exciting. So, so then, so you start really, you start going down this, um, I, what is that lateral integration, right? Where you're starting mm -hmm. like, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm a builder. Let me get, I can go into real estate. Okay. I'm in real estate. I go into lending. Okay. I'm in lending. I can go into title. Uh, so where did developing come in? Because I know that's been a big part of, of what you do. That's, that's probably my biggest revenue stream for sure um, is developing. And so, um, you know, I, I, I always just point to say it's God stuff. I mean, it, it's just opportunities he's presented me that I cannot tell you how they would have came about otherwise. But um, a guy from my dad's church uh, where I grew up going to church at just asked him one day, hey, I've got some land. Would Tony want to develop it? Why he asked me, I have no clue. Um, 
And of course my answer was, well, yeah, I'd like to do that. Not know. I'm the guy that goes, yes. And then I'll go figure it out. They don't yeah. have to know. I don't know right then. Yeah. And so um, immediately I said, well, yeah, I, I'd like to develop that. And um, it was, it was a piece of property and then it was connected to a golf course that had been for sale for years and years. And I knew that it would be great if I could get both pieces and make a, a bigger development. And it's just, I, and again, I say a God thing. I, I went to the sign that's been out there for probably 10 years on this golf course and I called it and I just happened to get the son of the man that owned it, who, I mean, unfortunately has cancer and was not doing well, but he had not gotten any phone calls on this property and now they were in i won't say desperation mode but it was the right time right place that they were finally willing to sell um previous prices were were way outside of anyone wanting and that's why it was still for sale so <clears throat> i packaged this deal together and i i knew from my plats that i as a builder i get plat maps and know where i'm what lot i'm going to buy and whatnot i see those those engineers names on the bottom it and I called the engineer I saw the most, which was Craft and Toll, and uh, went in and sat down with them and literally said, "I, you know, I'm always the first to say I'm not the smartest guy. I, I need help. Don't ever." And I would say, "Don't ever act like you know it." Mm-hmm. Um, to that regard, and so I went in and said, "I don't know anything other than I have this property. What? Mm-hmm. How do I develop it? I know I want residential lots, and so, yeah. um, so anyways, that, that kind of just." flung me into this process and it's a the difference of being a builder and a developer is money in in a lot of ways because i can build a house for a few hundred thousand dollars and go to a bank a development's a few million dollars if not more real quick explain to me real estate like development as you're doing it as if i were a second grader okay so i am taking a raw piece of property meaning just dirt, field, farmland, whatever it may be. I'm going and I'm buying, say, matter of fact, yet last week we closed on 90 acres and it was just that it was a field. And I am going and I am putting in utilities, curbs, drainage, obviously the streets. I am getting that filed as a flat into individual lots from the overall meets and bound legal description. And then I am selling it to residential builders. So when I sell it to a builder and they close, they could pull a permit the next day and start building a house. Okay. So, um, and the development, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, no. Um, development, the, there's a lot of red tape with development. You're not just grabbing a piece of dirt and going, Hey, I'm hiring this contractor to go and cut streets in. Um, the city work is, is where the work comes into play because you're having to go and, you know, from planning commission to city council, to meeting with councilmen, um, mayors, you know, all kinds of stuff and, and taking that through that whole process. The engineer is a huge key point because they are the ones that are doing the engineer legwork, um, bouncing it back with the city engineer to make sure, you know, everything flows like it's supposed to. And then, um, and then you've got to go and present and you have to, I have told everyone to be one thing to be a developer is very thick skin because you walk, you have to be used to walk in, not used to, you have to be willing to walk into planning commission and city council meetings and being the most hated guy in the room. You're when you're developing, you're taking someone's view. 
I mean, you, you just are. They always thought it was going to be a field or they always, I mean, in this case, they always thought it was going to be a golf course. I really feel for those people because it's, I mean, who, who thinks a golf course is going to shut down and be developed into lots. And yeah. you have, and I have, I've shown up where literally these rooms are standing room only and they're whispering about you because you're the guy fixing to make money by taking their view. So with, with your, the developments that you do, are, do you, do you build, are you still doing building right now? Or are you exclusively doing just development? No, uh, we don't build for anybody right now. So I yeah. do have those retirement and, and really they're apartments for seniors. Um, so they are, you know, four, six, eight plexus. So we do, um, much like that developer that started with me or helped me get going. I have one of, I have two superintendents that handle the vertical that we keep ourselves. So we just build for ourselves now to keep. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then you sell off. So you're, yeah, yeah. I, I, I sell one thing I decided to do early on. And, and I think it's getting tougher for guys like I was as a builder because I'm one of the examples that I sell to production builders. I don't sell to guys like I was when I was building houses. Real quick, give me the difference between a production builder and a small custom builder like you were. Volume. Um, Tabor Homes local. He is not your first time home buyer typically, but I still consider him a production builder because he does a, a certain amount of volume. So I would, myself, I put that in the 200 homes plus range. So. Um, Usually a production builder is going to buy either the majority or the entire development. And they're the only ones building in there. Is that right? That's, that's correct. And that, and that is a huge difference. Um, I've, I've been one of the builders with a developer buying lots because obviously I had lots to build on when I was, you have four or five, six builders sitting in a room and you're doing this round table drawing and picking lots and you've got that many buyers, six, six buyers that are going to buy your lots and, and the developers handling this, you know, this selection process. I like knowing I have one buyer and they're big enough to do it all. Um, so it's, it's, so the advantages, it's what all are the advantages? It's one buyer that's going to buy it all. So it's a little bit easier of a process. I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong. If they're buying that many volume, are you not taking a little bit of a discount in comparison to what you would sell to six different buyers? I am not. Okay. Um, so I typically don't do any discount um, and, and I'm pretty aggressive. So I do just a little bit more on me. I, I do about a thousand lots a year now. So we're, we're uh, if we're not the, we're one of the biggest residential developers in the state now. Um, right now I've got 16 developments going and, and I go, <clears throat> And because of that, and I knew I wanted my volume there, I needed to go after the production market. So I do, I mean, I do Tabor, but I also have some bigger public traded guys that I do business with. And that's where a lot of my bread and butter is. Um, what I like about those guys is when I do the volume I do, I'm obviously there's loans in place. I get to walk in with a signed public traded production company contract to my banker it's not always a no brainer, but it, it sets me up pretty well for that bank to go, Hey, Oh yeah, I'll give you 5 million bucks because you have, you've got a contract with a guy that doesn't walk on contracts versus some of the local guys. You just, you don't know. So um, when you walk into the bank, you've got, you've got the land, you've got the plan, 
you've got the buyer and you walk into the bank and say, hey, lend me the money to either buy this land or to develop this land that I've already bought. And by the way, here's the signed contract of what I'm going to sell it for. So you can see that this is, you're not going to get stuck as the bank. You're not going to get stuck with a, a big lot. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I do not have a single speculative um, kind of like we talk about spec homes with builders. I don't have a speculative development. All of mine are pre-sold before I break ground. And it, and it is the strength of walking into that bank with that. That's the primary key. I would never do a spec uh, development period just because I don't like that risk. But, um, but yeah, I walk in and it's a lot easier to get a bank on board when you got, you know, say DR Horton, number one builder in the, in, in America as, as your buyer. Mm. So, well, yeah. can, can we, uh, can we transition to talk about senior living? Yeah, you bet. I'm very, I'm very interested um, in this. What, like, how did you get involved? What, what, and maybe describe what you do with senior living and what defines it. And sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, definition for senior living is 55 plus. Um, okay. I, and, and I, and I, I sometimes say I have 55 in older communities, and sometimes there's a lot of residential neighborhoods that are going to, hey, here's our gated 55 and older section. Mine's a little different. Mine is truly apartments. Um, they, it is a single story apartment complex for seniors. Uh, so we have the clubhouse. We have the, um, I've got one behind our office and more, and it's, you know, the clubhouse has a movie theater, it has a huge, great room, kitchen, has a game room, a library, an exercise room. Uh, pickleball courts. So we have the amenities that a lot of places that are senior actually don't uh, yeah. because we structure ourselves to look like an apartment complex and they have amenities. Um, and then from there, yeah, it's, it's four and six plexes. It can be, uh, we have probably eight different plans, um, but we've, it's one bedrooms to two bedrooms. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I first started, how I got started was actually a, a builder, another church relationship, one of my dad's good friends, his son is a builder also, or was, and uh, he has one in more. And he said, man, you guys should get into these. These are great. And I said, well, great. Teach me. And, uh, and so, and he didn't, he didn't sit and say, here's exactly how you do it. But he gave me some good pointers because I, my first mentality was going there with, you know, two, two to three bedroom units. Mm -hmm. And he said, no three bedrooms. Don't even touch them. I said, really? And he goes, 75% of your residents aren't from Moore or whatever city you're in. Typically they move here for their kids and they're on a fixed income. They don't need that extra room. Mm. And so, um, and it is weird. I, I, I equally rent my one bedrooms just as much as I do my two bedrooms. You have wow. a lot of, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it is that fixed, that fixed income approach. And so it's, it's been nice in that, that sense, but we do straight, you know, we rent them. Um, and I've, I've taken a little bit of my, um, building approach when I was a builder in the spec home model. Um, I'm not, I don't like, I don't like getting partners if I don't have to, of course. And mm -hmm. so, um, the one behind my office and more, for instance, when it's all built, it's a probably a $22 million project. I'm not going into the bank going, give me $22 million and I want to do it all at once. I got my development loan because I'm a developer. And then I created a lot release price of that development loan and I build six buildings at a time. And once they get 85% leased or pre-leased, I flip them to a permanent mortgage. And then I go to the bank for the next spec loan. And we mm -hmm. just keep revolving that. 
um, to where I own all of them and I'm just converting these mortgages as they get leased out. So, nice. um, so it's, it's been a good approach and I, I mean, I absolutely love it. I've, I've done rental houses and other things and I've got a mobile home park I own and, and, and just other aspects of rentals. It is one thing to be in the retirement range of, of rentals. You do not chase your rent like you do on others. It is huh. there. They're just pro I say program. They've just grown up in that type of environment where you pay your bills. And when you're dealing with fixed incomes and you know, that age, you start worrying about, you know, did they, did, you know, is everything paid? Am I missing something? Things like that. Um, it's, it's just nice. I mean, they, you, you really do not have to chase it. We in more our facility there, we changed over our, uh, Oh, it was our, it was our software system maybe three months ago. And we, we warned the tenants, Hey, for about two weeks, we're going to be doing this changeover. There's a, there's a lot to it. And, mm -hmm. uh, in that two weeks was payment time, your, your mm -hmm. month's rent. And we still have people that hand cut checks. Cause that, again, that's, they're used to doing that still some of the older ones. And, uh, we had, it was, it was kind of funny because we just had for two weeks, those people coming in and saying, cause we told them to say, Hey, if you pay us, we're not gonna be able to deposit right away until we get this new system set up. Yeah. And it was almost daily people walking in going, now you still have my check, right? I mean, are you, are you going to put that in? Is that in yet? I mean, they want to make sure that they're paid. So it's a, it's a great spot to be in. And I, and I went there because like anybody, I mean, you, you know, development, they're not making more dirt. I heard that my whole life. They're not making more dirt. So why not be the guy that owns the dirt? And, you know, with seniors, where do you make most of your money? You go where the majority of your population is. Well, baby boomers is it. So what that was my thought is how can I get into the baby boomer market? Well, senior living is the place to go. And mm. so with this, you're just you're developing a community that caters or is built for the 55 and up community. This is not an assisted living. This is not you're not providing any kind of additional services or anything like that. Correct. That's that is correct. This is we're not getting into medical anything. So um yeah it's it, it it is and it's not you know it's not cheap um we're not we, we don't accept section eight or anything like that i mean we're um you know our, our rough math is you know usually about a, a buck 40 buck 50 a foot uh and we you know we include water trash we include uh internet and I'm trying to think here internet and cable and of course we do the maintenance inside and out and so um but they're you know they do the the electric and gas um and we always make sure we have gas because there's high high incentives with ong to do apartments um and so yeah but you know the the, the i don't want to go this, i don't, I don't want to breeze by that so because this is a conversation we've had in the past yes you almost did if i correct you almost didn't put in natural gas you were going to go all electric at first and then you discovered that there was this massive rebate that tell me a little bit about that yeah so there is and most gas companies have it i was on a forum um, i was kind of like this i was a guest on a on a uh whatever you call it um podcast. a podcast yeah it was a podcast of sorts <laughs> <laughs> anyways um anyways he <laughs> there you go but um but we had we had two 200 people on it um that were watching so it was kind of a panel that's the word i was looking for i was on a panel and people could tap in and and you know see us and i was the developer of the group to explain just what 
what gas companies have to offer across the nation and most don't know it. So um, gas is optional. It's kind of like my residential subdivisions. I, you know, I don't pay for gas lines to be ran. They want in your neighborhoods and, and, you know, you, they incentivize you to let them in. And the same thing in apartments, they want in your, they want in these apartments because it's optional. And so they've created a program that if you have anything over a quad, I'm sorry, over a triplex, then you can get into a, a apartment classification. So, and I say that because it is important. I have had projects where people say, Hey, this is a great duplex community. I don't want just duplexes. If I can do a duplex, why can't I do a fourplex and connect them? Because if I can connect them now, all of a sudden they classify as an apartment program under mm -hmm. that apartment program, they'll pay for the pipe that goes into your, the gas pipe. I mean, they will, mm -hmm. and, and I say that because, you know, your typical plumber, if you're building a house, they're going to just, they're going to plumb it for gas and water. And it's just this blanket invoice, usually divided into three. They don't break out. Hey, here's how much the labor of the pipe laying that we did mm -hmm. ran and the gas pipe itself. Well, now my plumber has to do that because OMG will rebate me dollar for dollar of what I spent per unit to even put in the gas. And then you still get your other incentives, just like a normal resident does on, hey, if you do a gas dryer or if you do a, a tankless hot water heater, they get incentives that are great as well. Ours are greater. And so it just snowballs and all of a sudden you're making, you know, I've got 120 units and more out of that 120 units. I'm probably somewhere around the $500,000 of ONG checks that they cut. These aren't tax. That was my one question. I go, is this is some tax incentive? We don't really actually see this money. This is checks you get in the mail. Wow. So it's huge. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. We are getting close to, I feel like we could talk to you for three days because of you your experience and what all you've been involved in. Um, we're getting close to time, but like, I wonder if we could switch gears again real quick. And a lot of our listeners, viewers are kind of like, just getting started or they've been involved in real estate three or four years. I wonder if you could rewind and put yourself back in the shoes of that 20 year old you know, what would you do differently or how would you advise the 20 something year old Tony, if you were starting over again, what would you do if you were starting today? I, my quick answer is I would diversify even in Texas because that 0708 market was not something fun to go through. And it's nice to have, you know, I was, I was joking say, man, I, I don't, everything I diversified is still technically in real estate. But yeah. there is that's okay, that's okay to still be in real estate and have other streams coming in. I mean, I, you know, even to the title company, my I won't say title company is recession proof, but guess what? If the market goes bad and people have to sell houses, they still need a title company. So it's, you know, to me, I would say diversify quicker. That would have been nicer. Um, and then really, when I meet with other people that want to grow and 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 I get asked a lot, how how do you get to where you are? Um, I feel like a lot of people are afraid to take partners. Um, and I mentioned, I don't like to take partners. If, if you reach a point where you don't have to, that's great. Yeah. Um, but early on packaging something together and going and selling it, there are so many investors that are interested. Um, and so don't, don't, don't feel like you have to say, no, it's too big for me. 
Um, some mm-hmm. of my best deals and most money I've ever made has been where I wasn't even the developer, where I actually packaged it together and I resold it or found investors. And I didn't have a plan. I just knew that there's guys out there that can do this. And so don't be afraid to go and find a partner. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a long-term partner. It could be just, hey, I need to, I need the cash up front and here's the return rate that I can do. And you know, in a year you're paid back. Um, I think that's okay. That's, that's better than saying, no, I can't do it and going to someone else. Hmm. Well, and, and, uh, you know, you, you tapped on this just in the very beginning when you were first looking to build, but uh, like when a deal comes along and you, you try an Avenue and it didn't work, you just gave up or <laughs> you keep going. No. Like you keep tapped going. on this, like you went banker to banker to banker is your 10th banker that said, go to this other guy, you know, tell him I that's it. You. like, so it's not, I think that's the one thing is a lot of people, man, they really just, I think we're afraid to hear no, we're afraid of that rejection. And yeah. uh, so a lot of people, they won't even take that first step because they're afraid to hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and how do you get, how did you get so comfortable with hearing no and just going, okay, next? I was confident in my selling ability. I knew someone would buy in eventually. And it was, it was that 10th time, but you're right. I mean, people just shut down after that first rejection and go, well, what else can I do? And I mean, you can't do it. You just gotta, you gotta just keep pushing forward. And it's hard to say, here's, here's what that drive is. I mean, you know, I, I obviously lean towards my faith if I felt like God was directing me in that direction. And so I kept, I I kept after it. I knew something was going to happen. There was a plan in place. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, there's some people I meet with and you just, you kind of walk away going, well, they just don't want it. It's not, it's not deep in them that goes, I'm not giving up until I have it. And, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It, but you know, that, I guess that wasn't me. I wasn't built that way. I knew I needed, I, Hey, I knew eventually, I mean, we didn't have kids at the time, but I knew there was a plan in place for us too. And I needed to figure out what I was going to do with my life and uh, just kept pushing. It's- I call it the strength of stubbornness, right? We look at stubbornness as this like downside, right? And like, no, I mean, it can be, it absolutely can be. Uh, But that stubbornness can also be a a good thing. You know, when you just like, it's not, it's not you, I'll keep going. So someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's good. Man, I really enjoyed chatting with you, Tony. So yeah. Yeah. One last last question for you, Tony. I got to ask, what is a book? Uh, or a podcast or resource that you would recommend to somebody who is wanting to take the next step in real estate investing? Um, no. This one. The huh? podcast is, my- wrong, right? <laughs> is, that, is that is that the plug? I don't. Do that was the plug. Reasons, you get, you I, nailed that, it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. This one. Tune this in. This one. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But uh, thanks for having me. For sure, I enjoyed it, and uh, and I do talk a lot. So feel free to have me on anytime. Hey, we'll, awesome. we'll do it. Appreciate you so much, bro. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, thank you everyone for watching. Um, Please like, comment and share and send us your questions about real estate or real estate investing. And if we're able to help you out, we would love to do that. So uh, blessings to you guys. Thanks again, Tony. We'll see you later, Taylor. You bet. Bye.